You're listening to the Boozeworks Podcast. This podcast is a service of Boozeworks Consulting, a full-service craft alcohol consulting firm. And now the host of the Boozeworks Podcast, Devin Mills. All right. Well, let's welcome uh, Itzara Onorath, uh, president of White Tiger Distillery, onto the show. Uh, Itzara, please uh, welcome in. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me to the show. I look forward to uh, this um, interview. Uh, so I tried to go out to your guys' distillery, jeez, uh, I guess two years ago when ADI was out in Baltimore. Uh, you guys are doing some really interesting products that are kind of a mix of your uh, kind of a tradition from your family as well as kind of being innovative with those flavors and profiles. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, I guess, a rundown on what you guys do there at White Tiger and kind of how your family and history inspired it? Uh, yes. Um, so at White Tiger Distillery, um, we are known for our um, Lao Lao or rice whiskey. Um, I actually discovered this um, family recipe about four years ago when I uh, wanted to start my own distillery. And um, so apparently, long story short, um, mom was a moonshiner back in Laos. And um, she learned the craft from her uh, her aunt, who learned it from her mom and so forth. So we could trace it back about four generations um, of moonshining in Laos. And um, so I'm actually the first male generation to uh, carry this recipe forward. And... Um, so it's, it's 100% rice-based um, for the mash goes. Um, we don't use anything else. It's all a natural process, meaning that we don't add sugar to the mash. Um, the sugar itself comes from the rice. Um, you know, we uh, will turn the starch that's in the rice into sugar and then turn that sugar into alcohol. So keep it very traditional, very neat, very clean. Um, you know, at... It takes a little longer than your average uh, mash uh, bill or fermentation goes, but at the end you get a very clean alcohol um, and, and very smooth. So that's what we're known for. Uh, I want to kind of circle back there. You said you're the first male uh, in your family. You know, obviously in the U.S., moonshining has definitely historically been uh, more of a male profession. Is that different in Laos? Is is moonshining generally on the, the female uh, kind of craft, or is that unique to your family? No, uh, that's actually a common thing in Laos. Uh, even in, not just Laos, but other countries uh, that the females are the one that's moonshining. And it goes back to, you know, the society um, um, status at the time where the females stay at home, take care of the family, you know, into the garden and so forth. And so they, they, were not, they were not allowed to go out and work and make money on their own. So to subsidize that, they start moonshining <laughs> to uh, make a little, you know, a little cash for themselves. Yeah, I, I like that. Tending the still while you're, you're tending the kids. That, that actually makes a, a lot of sense. Um, so I guess uh, I'm, I'm really coming to this interview from a, a huge amount of ignorance. I, I don't know much about uh, Southeast Asian liquors in general. Uh, can you start talking a little bit about the Lao Lao um, and what it what it is, obviously, it's a rice based liquor. But what exactly is Lao Lao? How can you know what, what should people expect when they're experiencing it for the first time? So let me start by saying that the, the word Lao Lao means Lao whiskey in, uh, in translation. And again, it's traditionally is a clear, um, just like moonshine, clear um, alcohol spirits. Um, 
you know, traditionally distilled with um, rice. Uh, in Laos, we eat a lot of what's called glutinous rice or sticky rice. And so that's what they use in Laos. Um, other countries, you know, whatever rice they have, that's what they would use. So, so the Lao Lao is a clear spirit. Um, a lot of people associate it with sake, but it's, it's basically sake on steroids, <laughs> meaning that sake is a wine. So the proof of sake is very low. And uh, so the, the Lao Lao spirit, you know, we, we sell it at our facility at 120 proof. Um, so that's 6% alcohol by volume. And um, so what you get when you're, you know, if, if, when you're, you know, when you're smelling it, taking a, um, um, it, you have that nice floral sense to it. And then um, from there, when you take the first uh, sip, you get this sweetness, this natural sweetness that comes through um, during the distillation process. Uh, um, and then uh, as it goes down your throat, you get this warming uh, sensation. Um, it's like, and if it's, it's, it's got a very unique flavor nose to it. I, even myself, I was, I was confused at first when I drank it the first time, uh, when, uh, when we made a small batch for ourselves. And, um, so it's got a very unique, um, tasting profile in the sense that it's, um, I know one of the, the, the whiskey advocacy magazine, um, did a, a story on us and they wrote, um, they described it as umami. Hmm. Okay. You know, it's a Japanese, uh, Japanese coin word that they use to describe uh, food that has, that goes beyond the four taste bug. And, uh, so umami is what they describe our whiskey as. And so, and I, I agree with that. It is on its own, uh, category. You know, I, People always ask me, what is it compared to? And I'm like, I can't really tell you. <laughs> it's just different. That, that's really cool. So it looks like you also take that Lao Lao uh, and then turn it into a liqueur. Uh, seems to be, I guess you're just calling it a rice liqueur. Um, what What is kind of, what is the difference there? Why do you make that product? It seems like it's got a historical background, but what, what got you to make that? And what are your kind of thought process behind it? So another thing that is big in Laos, you know, again, a lot of people can't drink the hard stuff. So this is a, a, a weaker version. Um, it's actually a, traditionally the, the rice liqueur. In, in Laos, we call it Lao Hai, meaning uh, alcohol in a jar, a clay jar. And that's how it was done traditionally. They, they ferment the rice mash in a clay jar and then bury it for like years. Like, I kid oh, you wow. not. Um, so if you have a celebration coming up next year, you would do it now. And so by the time it's, you know, that separate, and they dig it up, it's nice and ferment. And what they do is, uh, so it's, it becomes a rice wine. And uh, so what they do is they uh, will stick a bamboo straw right through the rice cap. Um, if you look at my fermentation, you'll see this on the top layer. So it's a rice cap where the rice flows up and, be, and creates a seal. And then, then below it is, is, is all the liquid, you know, the alcohol that's in there. So what they do is they stick the bamboo straw and, you know, with, the, with all the, you know, the, the other uh, households or community is a, commun a communal thing. And so they will stick the bamboo straw in it and everybody will take a sip from it. And it's, it's very high proof wine. It's not your, you know, your, your, your average wine here in the United States. It's, it's, it's like 70 proof wine. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you will get really, uh, really drunk fast. And, and what they do is they, in, in back in Laos, they would pour 
water on top of that rice cap as the as the liquid volume goes down, and so that it can seep through the rice and makes and make more alcohol. A kid, you know, like absorb alcohol out of the rice. And um, so, of course, you know, here in the United States, clay jars expensive, and trying to put the rice in the, you know, it was just uh, too much of a hinder for now. Um, you know, it does not make business sense. So we decided to just take the liquid out of the wine, out of the, out the, of the fermentation, and then add the Lao Lao spirit to it to make it, make it a rice liqueur so that we can still maintain that sweet, tart, uh, flavor note that comes naturally during the fermentation, um, and and uh, you know the Asian community, that's what reminds them of home. A lot of them, when they drink that um, rice liqueur, is like, oh wow, this is Lao Hai. Or in other places, they call it uh, um, Sato Lao Sato, which is the same thing as a rice wine base. Um, what we do different, we just add the spirit to it to to give it even more kick. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. Um, so you're actually taking the wash and then adding adding liqueur to it. Are you adding any sugar to make it or adding the, the liquor to it? Are you adding any sugar uh, to make it a liqueur or is it just the natural sugar that's kind of left over from your fermentation? Correct. That's the, the natural sweetness left over from the fermentation. No, Again, no, no sugar added to any of our products. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very unique for a liqueur that you're able to use that, you know, basically the unfermented sugar. Correct. Uh, that's that's actually really awesome. Um and then like most people in, in Maryland, you guys are using some of that Maryland rye to, to make whiskey as well. Um what kind of I mean, I see you have one that's a, a Lao Lao uh inspired whiskey. What what kind of bridges that gap between whiskey and, and the Lao Lao? To keep with tradition of how we make the Lao Lao, we, again, with the rye, it's a 100% rye mash, um, the, the, the mash bill. So, you know, as you know, in, in the United States, all you need to call something rye, you just need a uh, 51% rye, uh, and then the other 49% could be any kind of grain product. Um, as long as you're aging, brand new charred oak barrel, um, you know, then legally you can call it rye whiskey. So, as I was looking into making rye, I did my research, looked around, and I, I was having a hard time looking for 100% rye whiskey because I wanted to know what it tastes like, at, you know, to use it as a base, as a, as a, as a starting point. And, uh, and so I could at least compare my rye whiskey to see what it tastes like, right? So I couldn't find it out there. And so I decided to, you know what, let's, let's make it 100% rye whiskey. <laughs> and uh, if it works, great. Now, we, at least we know what 100% rye whiskey should taste like. And then, um, and then that's how we came up with that one. And we want to dedicate that to, to Maryland because, you know, uh, historically, Maryland is known for its rye. And uh, so we say, you know what, let's just call it Maryland Rye Whiskey uh, and, and in honor of the, that tradition. And uh, but then we have the other whiskey. I don't know if you saw it on the, on the uh, website, the Lalo style whiskey. Um, so that is my my take at making the, you know, the turn, taking the family recipe and, and giving an American twist to it. Um, Cause you know, in, in Laos, um, they don't age their whiskey in Laos. So it's just, you know, just like moonshine come right from the pot into the bottle and that's it. You know? So I said, well, I wanted to call it whiskey here in the United States, but the federal, you know, again, the federal rules and regulations states that, you know, any grain product in order to call it whiskey, you must age it in oak barrel. So that, what we did, we put it in a brand new American white oak barrel, um, charge number four, 
And now we have what's, you know, probably one of the, I think is even better than the traditional one. Um, Laos, uh, we, we changed the name now. It's called Lao style whiskey. And, uh, it, it's fantastic. It's like if I was supplying for you and gave you a glass, you would never guess it was made with rice. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. So it's just the, the regular Lao Lao and you're putting it in the casket that 120 proof. How long are you letting it age for? Um, it really depends on the batch. Um, some, uh, we, we traditionally put it at even higher proof than 120. We'll put it in at about 140, 150 proof. And, um, with that, you know, it, it draws a lot of nutrients from the wood really fast because it's, it's almost pure alcohol. And so we have to be careful when we're aging it because you can actually overage the whiskey by pulling too much of the wood into the whiskey itself. And um, so right now we're, we're comfortable with six months. Um, we do have a few barrels that we're stashing away to see what it will act like or how it behave, uh, behave at one year and two years. And then that way we could then call it straight whiskey at two years. So we're, 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 we're checking on it. We're, we're seeing, you know, again, this is rice. So this, and, uh, we don't know how it's going to behave in the barrel. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a working. I'm very curious to hear how that goes. So are, they, are you using 53-gallon barrels or 25s? What what size barrels are you doing this in? So we are doing the, the, the standard 53-gallon barrels. Um, we do have a few 30-gallon barrels that we use for uh, research purpose just to see uh, what it will taste like. That And, it, and because it, it aids a little bit faster with the 30-gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are we're trying to keep it with tradition, you know, I'm, I'm looking around at my fellow distilleries out, you know, throughout the United States and here in Maryland. I'm, you know, I see a lot of them using smaller barrels, and I'm like, you know, hey, let's, you know, what we're not going to follow that lead. We're not going to be the trend, you know. Let's let's keep it with the state traditional and uh, keep it with the 53 gallon. If it takes a little longer to age, then so be it. Yeah, if you're doing six months though, it's not really taking much longer to age in those 53s. So if you're if you're happy there, that that seems like a real nice uh, place to stick with. Uh, I do want to circle back to the rice fermentation. You said a bunch of stuff along the way that was was real interesting and kind of made me want to jump off topic, but I, I kind of had to hold myself back. So uh, you were talking initially about uh, mashing with the rice and, and, you know, traditionally rice holes, at least in the U.S., are used kind of as an adjunct to help with, with watering and stuff. Uh, what does your mash process actually look like with this rice? So with the with the rice is is, is I believe it's very simple but yet very hard to maintain. Um, it's really just you you know you get the rice you, you cook it you cook the rice and then you add the yeast and water and and then you let it uh, sit at a certain temperature uh, for climate control and that's it and you wait for two to three months. So oh wow two to three months yeah two to three months fermentation. Um, that's another thing that's that's different from your traditional uh, fermentation here in the United States. You know, most of them are five to seven days. And that's because, again, remember, we don't add sugar to it, right? So we have to convert all those starch that's in those grains into sugar first and then turn those sugar into alcohol. So it takes a little longer for that process to happen. So when you're cooking it, how does that work? I mean, you know, obviously I've cooked rice on the stove and I, I assume it doesn't have anything to, in common with, with cooking rice for fermentation. Uh, or, I mean, are you, uh, you know, traditional whiskey method would be adding 
you know, say two, two and a half pounds of, of grain per gallon and then heating that up to 170 maybe. Uh, what does what that cooking process really look like for you? Uh, it's actually uh, very traditional. Um, the way I cook my rice at home for, for this particular rice brand is the same way I cook it here. You know, it, we use steams to, uh, to cook the rice. Now, um, you know, yeah, we don't, you know, just, um, if you, if you ever seen how a Laotian household, we have a, uh, a bamboo basket, right? That's what the rice goes in. And then under that bamboo basket is the, is the, uh, pot. And the water goes into that pot to create the steam to cook the rice. So we're basically steam cooking the rice. Um, and again, the rice that we use here at the distillery is the same rice you eat at home. So, you know, if you ever run out of sticky rice, you call me up and I'll send you a few. <laughs> Are you saying that you're using direct steam injection? You're you're basically taking a you know a big tank and filling it with rice and then doing direct steam injection, or are you do you guys have a a large basket that you've built at your distillery that you add the dry rice to and then you're heating you know double boiler style a, a water bath below it? What is what does that really look like you know in the distillery? Uh, yeah, in the distillery you'll come in, you'll see a big pot. Um, that we pump steam through, it's basically like a, a big uh, um, pressure cooker. I've never seen those, uh, or, or actually, better better um, analysis with. Uh, ever seen a crab crab pot? Yeah. Um, where they when they steam cook the, um, so they have that inner basket inside of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of the same process as that. So basically, instead of putting crab in there, we just put rice in, and then we pump steam through it. To, uh, to cook the, the rice. And then once the rice is cooked, then, you know, we, of course, we take it out, let it cool down before we add our, uh, our yeast mixture. Okay. Um, that's, that's just awesome. I've never heard of anything quite like that before. So you, you have your kind of steamer basket of, of cooked sticky rice. Um, and you, you said you just add the yeast right to it. Are you adding, I, I assume, water in there or is it just, the, the pot of, I mean, dry rice, for lack of a better term. So it's basically, um, you know, traditionally we do, um, once the rice cools off, um, then you, you sprinkle the yeast um, mixture onto it, and then you mix it up so that the yeast gets all over, you know, gets in, in every crevices of the rice. And that's it, really. Then, then you let it, uh, let it settle and uh, put in a climate control environment at a certain temperature, and then it, 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 that the rice that is solid uh, will become liquefies and then start to turn into alcohol. So the, the liquid mash will actually comes from the rice itself. So we don't we add a little bit of water to it just to, just to make the mixing part a little easier, but not too much. We you know we don't unlike the traditional way of making whiskey where you have like the wash is what you ferment, correct? Um, we don't yeah. When you come to the distillery, what you see is a solid mass, and you come back three weeks later, you'll see a liquid mass. You're like, "Whoa, what happened?" Yeah, that's that's <laughs> really cool. So, are you adding any enzymes in there, or is it just just the yeast to do that conversion? Uh, there's a special uh, not enzyme. But, well, you know, the rice comes natural naturally has enzyme in it, so that we use that also. Um, but there's a natural. Um, there's actually a fungus that we use, kind of like the Japanese. Um, they do you know, the koji, the was a koji fungus that they use to mix up. So we have a, a, a fungus similar to that, but not quite the same one. 
um, that we need to break down the starch. Um, and that's all I can really tell you. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's plenty. Uh, it's, it's all interesting. So, uh, with this, I mean, how much rice do you need? How, how much liquid cooks out of it? You said you come back, you know, you start off, it's a solid bash. You come back three weeks later. It's a, it's a liquid. Um, but if you're cooking a hundred pounds of rice, do you get a hundred pounds of, of wash? Uh, how does that kind of ratio work out? I wish that works that way. Uh, no, it's totally the opposite. So, you know, to make 250, let's put it this way, to make 250 gallons of mash, uh, we need about 800 pounds of rice. Yeah, that, that, that that's the ratio that, that seems about right. I was just trying to take take a stab at it. What do you, what proof are you getting? I mean, you were talking about the wine earlier where, you know, the, the liquid off of there is, is very high proof, which makes sense when you're not adding water. It's all just basically the ethanol and whatever drips off of the rice. What, what percent alcohol does that mash, you know, give you? So, um, so the mash we're looking at close to about 60 to 70, um, proof. So we're looking at about, you know, 20 to 30 percent alcohol by volume at the mash level. Um, and then, of course, you know, once we distill it, the first run, we typically get um, a little higher. You know, when it comes out, it's coming out at about uh, 140, um, 140 proof first run. And then by the time we, and of course, we on the first run, we collect everything. So we go all the way down to zero, um, zero proof. And that. You know, at the end of the day, that will balance out to about 90 to 100 proof on the first run. Um, we do two run on every uh, product that we put out there for the hard liquor goes. So we will second distill that first run again. Uh, and then, well, you know, we see it go up to about 160 uh, proof. And we're trying to keep it under 160 because, you know, by law, you know, to call something whiskey, you, gotta, you can't distill at no higher than 160 proof. So... We'll collect that second run. Now, the only thing we do different now is we don't collect it all the way down to zero. We will collect it down to about 90 proof and stop it there. Once once the, uh, the hydrometer reads 90 proof, we shut off the machine. And the reason we do that is because we only want the heart, the, the clean stuff, the good alcohol, the ethanol. So, you know, that stuff is, is uh, coming out at 140. And, you know, and then anything, I, I personally think anything after 90 proof, we get the oil proteins and all that really unnecessary product. So that's why we at White Tiger Distillery stop our second distillation at 90 proof. And are you dump? I mean, I guess if you're not collecting it, then you're just dumping it as stillage. You're not going to, you don't redistill your tails to try to get a different product out. Well, well, I mean, so it's, it's still a good product the tail. Uh, we will mix it to, with the next batch. Uh, that way we don't waste out. Ah, okay. That makes sense. You know, let it cool back down, and then we'll empty it back out into another container. Um, you know, and then when we do the next batch, and and then kind of maintain consistency on flavoring. So we uh, we, we run it with the second batch of the next batch. <laughs> that way, we get you know as much alcohol. So with that first distillation, uh, I, I want to just try to understand what you're doing here. So you're putting in the wash, uh, just basically the liquid off of the rice. Uh, is that on the solids or remaining solids or do you separate that out first? No, no. We, uh, we put the whole, everything, the solid and the wash into this pot still. We, we distill with everything. Um, it's very tricky. Uh, 
Yeah, very tricky because you can't burn the solid. And then, um, so we, again, our, our distillation process takes a long time because <laughs> we don't want to burn the solid. Yeah, I know. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so you said you collect a hundred percent. You're, you're down to zero proof. Um, is that mainly your, that distillation's goal is to just separate the, the liquid from the solids then? Or do you think you're getting copper contact and that's, that's affecting, you know, the flavor of your distillate at that point? What is, what, what is kind of your thought process behind distilling all the way down to capturing, you know, basically all of the liquid coming off? So, so with the first run, um, you know, you want to capture all your alcohol from the, from the mash because, once the, once the, once we're done with the first run, the mash goes, you know, we throw that away or, you know, or with any solid that's left, we donate that to the local farmers. So we don't want to waste any alcohol. Um, so you, you, you know, you run it at a little higher temperature to get all the, uh, the alcohol molecules to evaporate and then recondense. And that's what we collect. So you notice I did talk about the head, right? Cause a lot of the, uh, most of the process in your your traditional making whiskey, you know, there's a head to it, and so at White Tire Distillery, we we really don't worry about the head because the fermentation process itself does not produce uh, enough methanol or any of those volatile alcohol that is dangerous to your body or to worry about, and um, so we don't worry about the head. So we collect everything uh, um, at the first run. The second run, again. We just we don't collect the tail end of the second run because we don't want the oil and the and the protein to carry through to our final product. Um, but yeah, but we uh, you know we we don't have a a copper pot here. We have was a stainless steel pot with a copper column. Um, I personally, to be honest with you, I, don't, I personally think that the copper really doesn't affect the alcohol as much. I really think it's the, the, the mash, the fermentation process is what really gives you those final flavor. You know, distillation is distillation, you know, regardless of what you, what kind of instrument you use. Um, you know, you can do distillation with a glass, you know, you remember chemistry class when you had that uh, busting burner with a uh, glass, um, they have you distill out. Yep. Your basic, you know, reflux or alembic style. Yeah. Yeah. So, so distillation is distillation. All you're doing is, you know, every alcohol molecule evaporates at a certain temperature. And so if you know what that temperature is, you maintain it at that temperature. And then theoretically, uh, the, the ethanol, the good one, should evaporate. And then, again, the key is to just get the alcohol molecule out um, and then and, and, and leave the water. And that's why I, I always laugh when people... Uh, People talk about, oh, what, what's your water resource you know, or you know, where do you get your water from? I say, I'm not in the business of making good water. I'm in the business of making good whiskey. So, you know, if you're asking about water, you're in the wrong area because I, I personally think it doesn't really matter what type of water your water source. Because when you put it in a pot to distill, again, the science of distillation is, is this separation of molecules at certain temperature. So, you know, water doesn't evaporate until 200 degree Fahrenheit. So, you know, theoretically, you know, nothing should be coming out <laughs> at a lower, you know, at, a, at what we're just selling at, a, you know, 170 proof. I mean, I'm sorry, 170 uh, degree. So it should only be the ethanol coming out. So are you guys using a, a large column still then in order to maintain temperature that well? Uh, are, I mean, are we talking, I mean, probably not a vodka p- column, but do you have, you know, 20 plates or are you using more of a traditional 
you know, hybrid column with, you know, three to five plates. No, it's actually a, 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 it's one column, <laughs> one single column is this hollow tube. Um, I know most, a lot of the uh, pots still, they stuff the column with uh, copper uh, mash to kind of you know, help with the uh, proof at the end. Uh, for us, it's actually the opposite. It works against us. So we, yeah. So when you come to a white tiger, um, the column that you see even on the website, that, that copper column is actually hollow in there. There's no place and nothing in there. It's one solid tube that goes all the way to the top. And uh, again, controlling the temperature is key. So I, I use a, a steam jacket system so that I can monitor how much steam I inject uh, into the pot and kind of maintain that temperature for a steady period of time. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're, you're able to get all the reflux you need just from losing heat out through the copper. So you, what happens with your spirit after it comes off the still? I mean, you're saying that you're coming off at about 160. Uh, if you're making your, your normal lao lao, what does your process look like to get from your, your hearts down to, to bottle proof? Are you just doing it in a single proofing run? How do you get, how do you make the final adjustments? So, um, so once we get the, 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 uh, the second run, the heart, um, from the pot, um, depending on what product we're making at the time. So if we're making rice whiskey, um, tend, again, legally, we don't have to, uh, proof it down to barrel proof, uh, which is 125 proof. So we could just put it in at 150 proof and let it rock in the barrels for a while. And then we'll have a, uh, a few other barrels that is a, is a lower proof alcohol of rice whiskey. Um, so that way, when we blend the barrels at the end of the, uh, you know, to get ready to bottle it, we can bring the proof down to 90 proof or whatever proof we want. So basically we use a lower proof alcohol that's in the, in, in the other barrels that we set aside as our, as our dilution uh, liquid, if, if you want to say, it, call it that way. I, you know, traditionally most people use distilled water, um, um, once they, but you know, again, if you, once you, once your product is aged in the barrel and then you take it out and add water to it, even if it's distilled water, you're still diluting that, that finished product. So you don't get that full effect of the, of the flavor and the, uh, you know, from, from when, when it first come, come out of the barrel. So that was one of my thought processes. Well, I don't want to do that. What, what else can I do to still bring the proof down, but yet maintain that full body? Um, barrel flavor as if you just got it out the barrel. And, uh, and I've, you know, I found out that by setting aside a few barrel with, let's say, 90 proof alcohol sitting in there, because it's still drawing the nutrients from the barrel, from the wood, it's just the proof is less. You know what I mean? Yep. And then when I mix barrel, it should get down as close to where I want it if my calculation is correct. And of course, sometimes we don't get it right. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just bottle as it as is. Because I still want to call it cast strength. You know what I mean? And keep it that way. So, so that's kind of a little technique that I use here. That I don't know if hopefully now nah, I guess people will use it if they listen to this podcast. Oh, we've been <laughs> we've actually been talking about that technique pretty much from the start. Uh, we we've seen it a lot more in the the whiskey world and brandy world. Uh, although at this point in time, I've even talked to people who are uh, doing it with rum. So it's it's certainly making its way uh, around the, the around the world, or at least around the U.S. craft distilling scene at this point in time. Are you doing any filtration um, to your spirit at all after you uh, do your blending? Um, no, the, the only filter we use is when we start to, when we're, when we're ready to bottle, uh, we run it to just a 0.5 micron um, uh, 
filtrix, you know, basic filter system, basically a water filter. Um, and the reason that is because I didn't want, I don't want any big charcoal chunk uh, getting inside the bottle. And um, so, and any, you know, any impurity that might be in the line, uh, you know, we want to make sure that doesn't get into the bottle. So, so yeah, so I use a 0.5 micron filter system. And like, and it's really not, nothing fancy, just a little tiny just water filter kit. And, uh, and then when we pump the water or the whiskey through the line, it, you know, once it goes into the bottle, we know it's clean. It shouldn't be any geese or anything that might be left over from the distillation process or any kind of very, very clean alcohol again. I, I got to say, you've convinced me. I need you to send me a half dozen bottles tomorrow so I can start drinking this stuff. It, it sounds really fantastic. Uh, it's Sara, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time and I don't get to get into your whiskey process, but thank you very much again for coming out and sharing how you guys are, are making some really interesting booze. Oh, thank you. And I, I'm very happy to be able to share the uh, family, um, you know, recipe and, and the, not just my family, but, you know, the, the ocean uh, people around the world you know, that, we can make good whiskey. And uh, matter of fact, our Lao Lao Sao whiskey won third place at the international whiskey competition last year. So, so I think we're moving on the right path. And uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to, you know, share our, our tradition and heritage and, uh, you know, continue to make good things. Absolutely. Well, um, like I said, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Booze Works podcast. If you have a topic or question you'd like us to focus on for a future podcast, send us an email to podcast at boozeworks.com. Happy crafting and cheers. Cheers.